Thanks for joining us today for a conversation with Emily DeLapp on the topic of children's reintegration back into their families. I'm Sarah Gazarek, Executive Director of the Faith to Action Initiative, and Emily is Head of the Technical Support and Policy for Family for Every Child, a network of organizations in 25 countries working together to ensure that children can grow up protected in families. We met Emily when the Faith to Action Initiative participated in an interagency group she chaired on children's reintegration into families. Welcome, Emily. Let's get started. We know that you've been working on a publication related to reintegration. Can you tell us a little bit about reintegration and why it is so important? So I think we would see reunification and reintegration as being two slightly different things. So reunification we would see as the actual uh, physical act of returning a child that's been separated back to their family. So these might be children who've been living in orphanages or on the streets or who've been trafficked, and it might, they might be going back to their, their parents or to other family members. Reintegration is something slightly larger than that. It's not just about them going back into their family. It's about them feeling like they belong in that family um, and in their wider community and that they're safe and they feel protected and well cared for. The reintegration that I've just described is um, important because uh, there's, there's lots of research and lots of evidence to suggest that children are far better off in families. This is quite obvious when you look at some of the alternative situations that children are being reintegrated from. So if a child's on the street, then I don't think anyone would dispute that returning back to their families is probably a better place for them to be. Perhaps it becomes a little bit more complicated um, where children are in a, a kind of safer environment um, where some people might think that they're being well protected and looked after already. So, for example, if they're in a fairly well-resourced orphanage, even in those situations, I would argue that um, return to family is usually the best option for children. That's probably for a couple of reasons. Um, firstly, that the kind of love and support they get in families is different from that that can be provided by a professional person. Um, they, they can't uh, receive permanent and unconditional support that lasts all the way into their adulthood um, if they're being cared for by somebody who's paid to do it. Uh, return to family and going back to community also gives children a sense of uh, cultural identity, um, of knowing their religion and their traditions, and I think that's really important to children. From what you have learned from your experiences, what are the cross-cutting principles of good practice in reintegration for children, regardless of the type of setting? And by that I mean from either a large institution or from a small group home or orphanage setting. One of the principles would be that reintegration should only happen when it's in the best interests of the child. So this means it should only happen when children and families have been properly assessed and um, it's possible to think about whether the reintegration is in children's best interest and it's not going to harm them to go back to the family. Another principle is the importance of children's participation in the process. So determining whether reintegration is a good idea or not, you really need to listen to children's perspectives and to work out the kind of support they need for um, proper reintegration. It's important also to make sure that you don't discriminate against certain groups of children, no matter the size or scale of the reintegration programme. There are some groups of children that commonly get left behind, for example, children uh, who experience disabilities. It can be very challenging to reintegrate these children because there can be no support services back in their home communities. But I think it is possible and it's important not to discriminate against them in programmes. And it's also really important to try and coordinate with other stakeholders and other organisations. 
So reintegration is often a very difficult and complex process involving lots of different types of services and support. It might be education services or health services, financial support, emotional support to families. And it's very rare for one organisation to be able to deliver all of those forms of support well. Um, And also reintegration obviously often takes place across quite large distances and even across borders. So for those reasons, it's really important that organisations coordinate and work together to ensure that um, reintegration can happen effectively. One of the things that we hear from folks, especially those who have cared for children in small group homes and smaller orphanages, is that they're very nervous about what will happen to the child when the child goes home. They feel responsible for the safety and well-being of that child. I was wondering if you could touch on that a little bit. Yeah, sure. So I do understand that people can sometimes be nervous about returning children back into a family and community. A first step can be to try and trace the family, to find the family and to really understand the problems that they face and why they've been unable to deal with them. And to sort of think creatively about ways that those problems could be solved. That bit of fear is probably a good piece of uh, caution that people should kind of hold on to in a way because it it should motivate organisations to really properly assess the child and assess the family and work out if reintegration is possible and try and resolve some of the problems that that children have returning the child back into the community. That's great. I like that you acknowledge that the fears or concerns that they have can be healthy in the sense that they care enough. They want the child to do well. They want the child to be safe. Often when organizations, especially if they're running uh, orphanages and they're trying to achieve quite a high standard of care within those orphanages, which is obviously a good thing to aspire to, they get very worried about a child going back into a community where, you know, they maybe will have to sleep on the floor and share a bed with siblings and they won't get um, meat every meal or, or whatever it is, but they, they won't maybe have the same kind of standards of material care as they might receive in, in orphanages. Our experience from talking to children is that things don't matter nearly as much as making sure that they receive the, the, the good love and the good care from their parents. And therefore, that maybe not having a pristine home or a, you know, a perfectly well-off family is not vital for reintegration. It's making sure that the children are well looked after and loved and cared. And those are some of the things that organisations need to work on to support families to do. Please tell us a little bit more about the children who can be reintegrated back into their families. We work with quite a a wide range of different groups of children who've been separated from their families. And um, the work that we do is usually in poorer communities, although I would like to highlight that reintegration and separation happens all over the world in both rich and poor countries. But in the communities that we work in, I think the common reasons for separations are around Um, abuse or witnessing violence in the home which can lead to children running away children leaving home for work or because they've been trafficked because of conflict and disasters or perhaps because they've actually been placed in an orphanage by their families often because they're that's the only way for them to get an education and they see an orphanage as a better alternative to what they can get in their home communities and perhaps don't realize um, the reality of their child growing up in in that situation And often it's a kind of complicated combination of all of those different factors. 
it's really important to highlight the wide range of reasons why children become separated because how you respond to um, separation and how you try and reintegrate them will vary depending on, on the original causes of their separation. So the responses for an abused child or a child that's experienced violence are obviously very different from the responses um, to a child who has perhaps been uh, placed in care because of a lack of access to education and the types of support and services you need to provide would need to be tailored to meet those different needs. Excellent. That's great. So you touched on family finding. Can you just expand a little bit more on that? Maybe talk a couple minutes about what family finding looks like? It can often be quite difficult to find a child's family, particularly if they've been separated for a long time and perhaps have have limited memory of that family, or if the family is a very long way away or over vast distances. There's a lot of expertise out there on family tracing, particularly built up by those working in emergency settings that can perhaps be applied to, to other contexts and methods for getting children to remember key things about their childhood or their lives that can then help them to identify their their village or their community. So it may be um, some pieces of dialect from their community. Um, uh, I remember a story from Nepal about a child who could remember what their mother was wearing before they left and it was a very distinctive piece of clothing and uh, the, the organisation reintegrating the child were therefore able to, to, to go back and trace that family and identify them. So what have you found that needs to be in place to help establish healthy reintegration? It's very important that organisations have staff that really know what they're doing, that they understand the context and they really understand the challenges that children face. Um, And it's useful to allocate a dedicated caseworker to each child so the child can get to know them, they can get to know the family, and they can also, importantly, document the child's case. Um, And that that documentation of the case is, is very important to ensure that if the child then moves, it can be handed over to a new caseworker who can continue to support that child. It's very important to have a package of support that's ready for the child and their families that address all of their their needs. Um, And these needs can be very varied. There might be um, financial needs. They might need help getting children back into their local schools. Um, Children might need to relearn the language of their local community or some of the traditions. And they may need help build relationships within families. What's really key here is recognising that each child is different and you need to have a range of different options and um, choose those ones that that each individual child and each individual family needs the most. Before reintegration takes place, it's very important for organisations to work out how to carry out um, monitoring and how to carry on supporting the child once they're back home. And our experience is if you don't um, continue to monitor a child and provide ongoing support once they return to their home communities, problems can emerge and children will simply leave again and uh, the reintegration process will have to start all over again. That list of what you need to do to reunify children, it may may seem a little bit overwhelming to some organisation. There's quite a lot of things in there. But as I I mentioned earlier, it's um, really helpful if you collaborate and coordinate with other organisations. It's pretty impossible for one organisation to do absolutely everything, but you can make referrals to other organisations and bring in expertise for elsewhere and work out which, which pieces of the jigsaw you can contribute to. That's good to know. Is there an average length of time for reintegration to take place? 
very short answer to that question is no, there is no average length of time. Um, what we found is that children, their needs are so varying that it's very hard to put a, a set time frame around reintegration. So for some children, they may have been separated for very short periods of time and had relatively good experiences while they're apart from their parents and um, have good relationships still with their parents or other carers. Um, and therefore, it's, it's quite easy and quick to return them to their communities. In other cases, children might have been apart for a very long period of time, have suffered um, very traumatic experiences, abuse while they're apart, and therefore they and their families will need quite a lot of preparation in order to ensure that reintegration is going to be successful and also will need quite a lot of follow-up support. So it really varies depending on the needs of the child and um, in the guidelines, the reintegration guidelines that we've recently developed, um, we deliberately decided not to put in a set time frame because we decided that it was impossible to do that because the needs of reintegration children are so different and varied. Thanks so much, Emily. This has provided a great overview of what reintegration entails. I'd like to invite listeners to join us for the second part of our conversation, where Emily will be telling us more about the new guidelines on children's reintegration, as well as providing some great examples of reintegration in several different regions of the world. You can learn more about the guidelines for children's reintegration on the Family for Every Child's website at www.familyforeverychild.org. And for additional resources regarding family care, you can visit our website at www.faithtoaction.org. Thanks for joining us.